This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to this very special and unexpected edition of the Every Step Along the Way podcast. Now, as you'll see, Michael O'Neill has been sacked as Stoke City manager after just three years in charge. So today, myself, Andy, and special guest Ben Rowley will discuss the news, all the highs and lows of his time in charge, and of course, what this will mean for the club going forward. OK, then, boys, well, safe to say I wasn't expecting to be doing this on a uh, Thursday evening, to be honest. But before we kind of get into all that, uh, just to welcome back a regular to the pod. It wouldn't be the same without him. Uh, Andy, how's things, mate? You OK? Yeah, not too bad. Been been very busy today, very busy tomorrow. But, you know, life couldn't be you know better apart from one thing, which we'll discuss. <laughs> yeah, lovely. Um if you, anyone's wondering, Dan will be joining us at some point this evening. Uh, he will just jump in. Uh, he's been to Blackpool, I think, today. But um, a very adequate replacement, if not a better replacement, actually. Uh, we have Mr. Ben Rowley from the YYY Files. Uh, welcome back, Ben. Da, 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 da. <laughs> da, 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 Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm grieving a little bit, I'll be honest. Um, uh, it's fine. We'll have to get on with it, but yeah, it's it's a it's a somber day, isn't it? I think it it's weird. I mean, I mean, obviously, for just by the way, before I get into it, actually, for kind of the regular listeners, I mean, you typically know it it follows a certain that type of structure these pods, but obviously, you know, this one is a bit of an off the cuff uh, pod for obvious reasons. Uh, um, so uh, this is more of a, a general chat, but I mean, Ben, just kind of. Starting with you, mate. When when the news broke this morning, I think was it was it early morning, late morning? I'm trying to remember now. It was about it was nine o'clock when it started to be announced. About nine ish. Were your was your reaction, Ben, a bit of is someone having a joke? Because that that was my first reaction. I'm going to be honest. Yeah, it was. It it, it feels like the wrong time, doesn't it? Because it felt like if you're going to do it, you'd either wait till in, till the international break, which is in I think a couple of weeks, isn't it? Um, you'd have done it after the game on Saturday, um, or you'd have done it last season, you know, at the back end of last season. Doing it on a Thursday morning is odd. I know they tend to have their managers meeting in the week or something like that, but I can't imagine that that, that, they, that they'd have waited for a regular meeting. I, I think they'd have probably brought it forward. It, yeah, it seems... I, I, I made out at the start, potentially, that, that I was adamantly O'Neill in. Um, I wasn't necessarily. Um, I like. I got fed up as much as anybody else. Um, I think the reason why I think it's a it's a sad day is because you think of our last certainly three managers. Um, they provided us with no real tangible positive at all. I like they they promised us a lot and they gave nothing. Lambert promised survival. Uh, Rowett promised promotion and Nathan Jones promised a team to be proud of and we got neither. Um, O'Neill promised to keep us up. He promised to, you know, give us a more youthful, hungry team and we got both, didn't we? Um, Yeah. But he just didn't get the best out of it in the end. He didn't get the best out of his own machine, which seems a little bit bit backwards, doesn't it? It does, but do you think that O'Neill's game was up before this season? Because we all know the fan split has been quite prominent, to be honest, especially on social media. I mean, I, I said in previous pods that for me, a lot of people had had already given up on him. It wouldn't matter if he won the league; it'd be he's not good enough to take us forward. So, do you think this was more about borrowed time rather than if he was going to go? 
he was he, he was certainly on thin ice, wasn't he? Um, so I'm I'm possibly going to write a blog about this, but there's 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 a principle in psychology called called the marshmallow effect, right, or the marshmallow experiment or something. Um, basically, you've got a kid in a room with a researcher, and the researcher gives a kid a marshmallow, and he tells the kid, um, if you can wait while I walk out of the room and get you another marshmallow, you can have two marshmallows. Um, if you eat the marshmallow while I'm gone, you don't get the second marshmallow. Um, and and some some kids ate, ate ate the first marshmallow. Some some kids waited and they could have two. And, and it's all about like delayed gratification, right? Um, and it and it's about sort of trusting the person who tells you that you're going to get more, um, and 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 receiving it. And I think the issue is for Stoke fans. I'm I'm going a long way around about this, but but the but the moral is like yeah. Stoke fans have been promised for four years we're going to get promotion. And how how long as a fan do you believe that really? To and and you know they said as long as you get behind us, as long as you stick with us through this tough period of financial fair play and injuries and the pandemic, as long as you stick behind us, we we will get there. And I just think it got to the point where we didn't believe them and we ate that first meal, <laughs> ate, ate that first. Ate that first marshmallow, and yeah, we we didn't choose to back the manager anymore. We didn't choose to back the club. We didn't believe what they were saying. Um, it, 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 how how long can you run off hope for? You know, you need some belief. You need some tangible belief. Um, you know, O'Neill gave us plenty of belief when he kept us up. You know, the fact that we were winning so many games helped. Um, the fact that we were bringing so many youth players proved that he's good with you know bringing youth players through, which is something that managers here haven't done for years. But not once, not not really, have we seen any evidence that he could get us promoted. And ultimately, I think so many fans have just had enough of that promise being broken, and yeah. they just want they they wanted to see somebody else because. I think, given time, O'Neill may well have done better this season. You know, maybe with a couple of less injuries, maybe with once they'd elapsed and, and and we had a fully fit squad, he might have got us promoted. But fans just didn't believe it. And when they're creating an atmosphere that isn't conducive to success, it hasn't been for weeks, months, years, then you're putting yourself on the back foot already. But fans don't care because they don't believe it anyway. It's this weird cycle where they're eating themselves alive and what what do you do the club has to do something and they've chosen to sign the manager in this case there's there's been a lot of apathy around for for a long time we've seen that in the stands with the lack of atmosphere with the absolute raft of empty seats all the time i know obviously we had I think it was twenty three or twenty four thousand. I can't remember now against Blackpool, but you know we 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 got plenty of people through the door, but it took a ticket offer to do that. Or else, let's be honest, it probably would have been eighteen thousand at, at most, probably eighteen nineteen. So, and then actually, Ben, what you're saying there, it kind of takes me nicely on. To be fair, so the whole timing of this. Now, this is what I think. I don't think anyone was overly surprised that he's gone. I think like you pointed out. We're, we're sitting here on a, a Thursday evening, but obviously on a Thursday morning when this happened, he's obviously walked into that. Um, he's walked into the the training ground. He's had a chat with the players. Said I'm going. I'm going. And obviously, whatever he said, we'll we'll see if anything comes out in the wash. But you know, there's a week left in the window. There's seemingly no more money to spend. I mean, anyone coming in has to do it with what he has. Um, so for me, I think it, it's, it's more of a timing thing. The timing is strange. Either you. If you back him like the owners have backed him with, you know, eight players, um, you do so, and I think you then nail your colours to a mast almost to say, right, you get to Christmas, let's see what you can do, or you do what a lot of people are asking for, and that's to replace him before the season even begins and before he even signs players. So, I just, I just think the whole timing is is peculiar. Uh, the only thing that I can think of it being on a Thursday is that we've already spoken to a manager. And we've got someone who's pretty much committed. And, well, the owners have been victim of, of not having that lined up in the past. So I don't really think they can kind of get away with it again. But the whole timing just um, just stinks a little bit, don't you think, Andy? Yeah, it was it was very unusual. Um, 
I I woke up at about nine o'clock and my mate messaged me saying, have you seen the news? I'm like, no, no, what, what's gone on? Um, you see that reporters have tweeted it out and then TalkSport have tweeted it out and you think, all right. I, I was a bit sceptical at first thinking, you know, a reporter said something, it's gotten out and you're thinking, maybe it is a bit of a joke. And then you see it on Sky Sports News and you think, okay, this 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 has happened. And then was it about, I think the exact time was 10.47, the club officially announced that he'd been sacked. And, you know, for a manager to be sacked, not only midweek, but after pretty much a full transfer window, when he was already very close to being sacked, why why have they let it go on for this long? Why have they waited for so much to already happen this season to finally let him go? And when a new manager comes in, he's going to have one or two days of a transfer window after he's learned about the players that he wants to keep on up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I mean, Dan has joined us, which uh, you're welcome to chip in, Dan, if you're <laughs> if you're all good, mate. Thanks for turning up eventually. Um, but uh, I think what I probably would ask any of you, to be honest, what do you think has been the catalyst? Because is it a case, like I said, very kind of inadvertently just, is it the case that we were always planning on replacing him, say, after the Sunderland match, and we just didn't have a manager in mind? Or do, do you think that things have just moved on quite rapidly because we'll talk about the names that have been linked in a minute, but um, quite, quite, quite clearly we weren't expecting it. So, so what's been the catalyst this week that's pushed them over the edge? Keeping the formation the way it was, not adapting to injuries. It, and like you, you mentioned it, his system will get him sacked. And well, ultimately it has the midfield three. There was at the moment there wasn't, you know a single midfielder who wanted to attack or defend. It was very flat. It was always a line. And ultimately, it let us down. Yeah, no, it, it did let us down, mate. And you, we mentioned about formations and players and stuff like that. So if I think through the team, obviously the one thing you kept going on about last week was, well, we, we've had some injuries. We've got no players to play in X positions. My, in my head, I totally get it. You can't plan for everything but I thought it was glaringly obvious that at right wing back and left wing back we we didn't have the cover I thought that was glaringly obvious for a while I understand why he's gone for a couple of strikers and yes we needed them but for me him and his recruitment team should have seen it coming that we were one injury away in each position to be completely screwed and demolish our, our, our you know our attacking formation so um I don't know I think is it is it a bit of stubbornness on O'Neill's point? Is it FFP really restricting us? I think there's 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 something I've picked up on perhaps towards the end of last season and coming into this. Um, you've already touched on the stubbornness and the lack of pragmatism, which, like, if you remember, that's that's what he was best at when he first joined us. He he yeah. was a very pragmatic manager. He realised that you know we were playing Sam Lucas at left back and. James McLean at centre-back, well, whatever it was we were doing under Jones. And he went, right, no, we're going to get your all good players. We're going to put you in your in your best possessions. And we're going to win your football games because you're good footballers. Um, and ultimately, he didn't get the best out of them. But I think, for me, the the biggest thing I noticed was sort of off, off, off the field and the way that he was speaking and to use another reference to psychology and stuff it's it's about the locus of control and you've got you can have an internal locus of control where you believe that you're in control of your own fate so you will say that if you win on a match day oh it's because i put a good team out there and we put in a good performance or if you lose it's we weren't good enough today i i made a mistake tactically we will change for the next game and it slowly evolved into an external locus of control where you end up blaming other things. Mm. And that's what he was doing. He was saying, look at all the injuries we've got. Look at FFP, I can't spend any money to bring all these good players in. You know, Look at the fact that the crowd are not conducive to a good atmosphere to help these young players thrive. And yeah, we, we get all these... These 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 things, and I think he he genuinely has had one of the most unlucky rides that any Stoke manager's had. But at the same time, you've got to try and keep it. You've got to try and keep that internal locus of control and and believe that you're in control of your own destiny. 
because as soon as you let that go and you're the manager, that's going to trickle down to the players and they're going to feel hard done by that. And we've seen it on the pitch. Oh, no, we've conceded. Well, that's not our fault. The referee gave a wrong decision. Or, what? well, if our best player was here, we'd be fine. Um, oh, well, it's not our fault. I'm not saying he's the players He's a bit of a broken try. man, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. I, I, I think he's just run out of road. I think he's, he's just fed up. Has he given um, up? No, I don't think I. I don't. He doesn't seem to be the man to give up. He would always plough through. I just don't think he knew what to do next. Like there was one thing after another after another, and and how how do you keep adapting? How do you keep adapting when you've got ten players out injured, for example? How do you adapt when you've got all your wing back gone? How do you adapt when you've got no transfer budget? How do you adapt when you've had to cut half the wage bill? How do you adapt when your fans are against you? At some point, you run out of ideas. You know, he's he's he's. This is his first proper job in club football, and he's an inexperienced manager by all accounts. Um, it, it's been tough for him, and I think at at some point, even you might not make it obvious, particularly to the board, but you know, subconsciously, you you're probably thinking, "I'm I, I'm just done. I I I don't know what to do. I'm going to keep going, but I don't know what to do next." Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. It's a, it's a fair point, mate. And I mean, I probably Dan, I'll open this um, out out to you as well, mate. Um, so obviously you signed eight players. I mean, how do you think the players are feeling right now? You know, the likes of Delap who signed a week ago. You know, there's a lot of young players there who. You know, this, we'll we'll get onto some more of the positives in a minute because this isn't meant to be a an O'Neill bashing conversation. But you know, there's a lot of young players there who he's helped to bring into this team. You know, how do you think they're feeling today? A bit confused, a bit worried, maybe. Um, yeah, I'd say <clears throat> I think. Uh, good evening, everybody. By the way. <laughs> um, yeah, I think he, especially Delap, like I say, he came a week ago and he was very well sought after would have had a lot of clubs chasing him, a lot of um, ideas pitched to him. And maybe he might feel a little bit betrayed that everything's changed this this soon. Do you mean one game after he's signed? You know, less than a week and the manager's gone. A manager who I imagine would have been a very big part of him coming to the club. Uh, and I think that, yeah, we have got, Especially that forward options. I mean, we we said when we recorded the other day, didn't we, that potentially the the forward options that we've got, you know, could fit into any championship side. You know, yeah. Nobody yeah. would turn the nose apart. So, is he going to be worried now that he doesn't fit the bill for another man, the next manager that comes into here, and he's going to waste a very valuable twelve months of his career, possibly because the manager would prefer. You know, Dwight Gale and Tyrese Campbell, from for example, Jacob Brown and Dwight Gale. Well, that that that's a thought, mate, because I'm sure that you know it's probably not a cheap loan deal. I wonder if it's I'm the situation so where someone sure. co- financially, I'm not so sure because Manchester City. The main thing for Manchester City is not getting a loan fee and getting his wages paid. It's getting him to progress and become a more well-rounded and better footballer for them in 12 months' time when he returns to them. So, if we we might, you know, they might say we'll pay 100% of his wages, you don't have to pay a loan fee, but what we want is we want you to improve him as a footballer and introduce him to senior professional football. That would be more beneficial to them than I don't know, a million quid and a fee and his wages paid for 12 months. Yeah. I, I can see it. I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking if, if if there's a week left, if I'm assuming that somebody will be in. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if somebody isn't announced by the weekend, you know, ready for, for next week. But like I say, if we've literally got like a week to, to go before somebody comes in, I'm just thinking they may start looking down these loans and thinking, OK, Delap, OK, he's a good player, but maybe, you know, maybe I've, I've got different options and we could see a massive turnover um, in, in the next week. But I, I would think that Delap especially would be somebody on... Um, any manager's wish list, really. I think his quality's quite been there to see uh, elsewhere. I mean, again, he's still yet to prove it in the championship. Let's not forget that. Um, but still, you know, the promise is there. Um, I just, I'm just interested. Oh, Sorry, what, what might happen? 
the vultures may be circling for some of the young diamonds that we've got. Right. You're, because they may, you know, a new manager might come in and think, if I haven't got anything, if I've got to raise my own money for transfers and I want to play a way that does not suit the players I've got here, then you may say, well, I'll sell a Joe Basic or I'll sell a Tyrese Campbell, I'll sell a and probably Harry Suter with his injury probably wouldn't be available but yeah I'll sell one of them and I'll use that money to bring myself and you know and generate four or five signings late on in the window to to you know give the side a, a, a more of a look that's my style so without putting words in your mouth then because I know where as we record this I know the other black Blackburn pod hasn't yet come out but by the time that does obviously you make you you will make reference to the fact that Dice, who's been linked, um, has a way of playing and wouldn't necessarily want all these young players. So are you more referring to the fact that, let's say it was him, would he come in with the pretense of, okay, can we get a buyer for X, Y, and Z over the next couple of days because I want to sign A, B, and C? Do you you think that, is that what you're trying to get at with somebody like that? Yeah, whoever comes in. Yeah would probably think the same thing, to be honest. I reckon they would want... A lot of managers would look at that squad and think, where are my seven out of teners? Where are my where are my players I can rely on every week? Where are my experienced players, but not over-the-hill players? My 26, 27, 28, 29, 30-year-olds, where are they in that squad? Because there are very few of them. Probably Baker, that's it, at the minute, because obviously Baker, we've got injuries to people like Powell and stuff like that. Um, so and they 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 your leaders and they your ones who you know know their job know their role can go out and like say give you a seven out of ten younger players they've got potential but then they'll have you know they're up and they're down because obviously they're still learning older players they've got the knowledge but because they're a bit that bit older people like Jagielka you know will throw in a nightmare game every now and again mm-hmm. it's so but when then that like say but those players run about that we're lacking are the ones that cost money. That's why we haven't got any of them because we haven't got any money. <laughs> I'll, I'll throw a quick question there. If, for example, we do bring Daishin, who I believe his favourite formation is 4-4-2 classic, where does time and fit him when he's back fit? You don't play him left back because we've seen he's not good enough there. Do you play him further up at left mid? He would have to he'd play left wing probably with a solid left back behind him. Yeah. It might, it might be that if if we are going with the squad we had now, Morgan Fox would probably come back into the team. I'd say. You know what? We might see Morgan Fox play the best he's ever played. Yeah. But what does that mean like for likes of Fosu though? Because Fosu would. Fosu's a winger. Wing. He's a Fosu isn't he? He's a winger. He's a right winger, left winger. He can play central attacking midfielder. So that goes back to your two favourite formations of four two three one. I say if you're going to play four four two, then for me, timing would have to play left wing, and you'd probably have like say a Fox who's he's solid. He, he doesn't need to get forward because Josh Timon does all that business anyway, further than the final third. He doesn't need Fox's help a bit up there. Um, and Morgan Fox, his job is literally just stay back and just keep a solid back line, don't let anything past you. You can probably do that. Which thing is it, mate? <laughs> I mean, Ben, you, you know, we we've, we talk a lot about systems and styles and we've seen it all over Twitter today and I'm sure every other potential social media site. Now, if we think about Tadash, you know, he's a... He's another Tony Peelish in some respects, um, is what a lot of people see him as. Um, my worry is this this fan base has been split for a long time now. And the one thing when we lose is always about style of play, style of play. Now, TP had his lovers and he had his haters. Um, so if we think we're going to go back to a style like that, for me, that will just keep the fan base split personally. So is the next man that comes in in your eyes does it need to be, let's just you know, brick wall up, let's work from the back, Tony Peeler style, or is it got to be something a bit more adventurous? Because the comments from what I've seen are all over the place. Everyone's got their own opinions. So what kind of system or style do you think the majority of fans would want to see? I, I'm going to turn it around slightly. So I'm going to ask each of you, like, who do you think our best player is right now? Fit or uh, in general? Just in general, who's our best player? I mean, you got. It's hard to say on the games we've seen. I mean, Baker could be 
excellent. I think yeah. Jacob Brown, he, again, he shows he can score Nick goals. Powell, when he's fully fit, horses. as influential mm-hmm. as anything. Mm-hmm. But I'd say Baker's probably the more instant one in that team. If he can find some form, can yeah. be brilliant. I'd have to go with Baker. Are, are you are you talking in the squad, Ben, or available players right now? I just squad. just in the in the squad. Squad. In the squad, to me, the most influential player we've got is Harry Suter. Yeah. If he was playing okay. in that back three, that would be we would be playing a completely different game to what we have been doing. I I think all of you raised fair points there. Who who do you think could be our next player by the end of the season? That's a good question. Depends. Ben always does this. He always exactly exactly. Dan said it there. It depends, right? It depends on who comes in. And how he's going to deal with these players? Yes, every, every manager's got their system and stuff like that, but I, I, I think it goes way beyond that. John Coates is not going to sit there and goes, right? Who plays four four two? Who, who, who's, who's attacking? Who's defensive? No, he's, he's, he's going to say, what's his target? His target is to get us back to the Premier League. So no matter how we do it, we'll knife and fork it if we have to. We'll get back to the Premier League. What's our best asset as a club? For me, it's the players that we brought through the academy. Definitely. If he doesn't bring in a manager that can't use our best asset to get what we want, we've absolutely fallen flat on our face. So we need to get a manager, whether he believes that's Daesh or not, whether he believes that's with 4-4-2 or 3-5-2 or 4-1-2-1-2, Nathan Jones is diamond, who cares? It doesn't matter. This this manager needs to come in. He's got to use our best young players alongside people like Baker, Brown, Suter, who've, who've got a bit more experience behind them. Maybe Laurent when he's fit. But he's got, the, he's got to get the best out of Tyrese Campbell and Josh Tymon and... You know, even like Dimaggio, Wright Phillips, Liam Delap, these young players, Connor Taylor, who I think that my 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 biggest bugbear with O'Neill was that he didn't get the best out of these young players. He worked so hard to get them through, and they reached the first team and they showed so much promise, but they didn't have the effects on the team that we needed to win football matches. So this manager's got to come in. He's 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 got to progress these players more than just being, you know, having potential. He's got to get these young players to be match winners. I believe they can be, because we know on their day they can be. But there, there, there will be a manager out there that can get the best out of them. And that, and that is 100% the best way that we get promoted. It doesn't matter what system we play. It really doesn't. I just think Coates' sole focus will be using what we have to get up. And that'll be it. Yeah, no, you've you've hit the nail on the head in terms of the the young players, mate. I mean, I was going to say the same thing. It, it, it is the number one key business driver, isn't it? They've been banging on about self sufficiency and stuff over the years. And in one thing, I mean, well, again, I'll come back to O'Neill um, achievements actually at the towards the end. But I think you can definitely say that one thing O'Neill has nailed probably more than any other manager in recent memory is that youth development. You can't fault him for that. So, I mean, he's reinvented Tymon. I mean, that was a player that everyone thought was down and out. So, examples like that. And sorry, Dan, I think you wanted to, to say something, mate. Um, yeah, I was just going to say, when you say that, a manager coming into it with youth, obviously, I think we're probably going to move on and speak about different names that have been linked. But obviously, the one that sticks out for me, and he's a controversial figure, is that Jerry Barton has been linked with the job today. Mm-hmm. And you would reckon that Harry Suter and Connor Taylor would be quite happy with that decision if he came in. Uh, that'd be centre-backs uh, pretty much thrown up, wouldn't it? But what, um, what are your thoughts on him coming in, obviously, as a, the person, the character that he is, coming into the club? I mean, he's an up-and-coming manager, isn't he, still? He's he's, he's showing a lot of the, the right signs. I mean, obviously, we won't mention his personal situations going on which I think actually will be the blocker I'm sure probably a few of us might share that opinion but you know that that could be a blocker as to him coming in um but yeah I mean for me mate it makes sense he'll have obviously a good relationship with the owners I'm sure because of the deals that we've been doing with him in the past whether I think he's the best option 
I'm not sure we've been down the, you know, I said he's not a young manager, but we've been down the, you know, the Nathan Jones route and look how that panned out. Me personally, I think we need an experienced head. So that's why I wouldn't necessarily have Barton, but I do understand the reasons for people wanting him at the same time. Yeah, I think, um, like I say, he's somebody who would, would work with youth, but I just wonder whether there's a bit too much baggage there that yeah. we've been through enough. Would he, <laughs> would he command respect out of everyone in yeah. the dressing room? Jerry Barton yeah. demands respect out of anyone he played against as a player. I think Harry Suter is quite well respected within the squad, and I think they would, he would respect him. I think that would have the knock-on effect. Do you know what I mean? It would trickle down to the rest yeah. of the squad. Well, if Harry thinks he's sound, then he must be good. Yeah, that kind of thing. But whether, like I say, I just think there'd be maybe too much, too much around him. Yeah, I, I, I just wonder whether, it, it, considering how ap- how apathetic and disconnected the fan base is at the moment, the last thing they need is a PR disaster, right? And I think there's potential with that with Joey Barton coming in, not only with his history, but if he gets involved with something else, you know, things don't go your way at Stoke, <laughs> and I can't imagine him being the 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 happiest about that. I, 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 with the allegations against him, like, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know the ins and outs. With the allegations, it, it, it's, it's difficult to justify getting somebody like that in. But at the same time, I can, I can see the appeal. I think he would get the respect within the squad. I think you guys are right. Whether you get respect with the fans. That'd be a very, very, very hard sell. And we know the owners, they don't do risky. You can just imagine his reaction to being booed off at half time when oh, like, yards. It'd be <laughs> it, it like it I, I think it's the wrong time for somebody like that. I don't think it necessarily needs a, a an experienced manager. I I was looking back today and um so we we brought O'Neill in when we brought him in, he was fifty years old. Our last managers up until Boscamp, they were all under fifty, and that surprised me. Really did. Even even Hughes and Pulis himself was under fifty when we brought him back in for his second stint in two thousand six. Um, we we just need someone tactically astute. You know what I mean? We need someone who who we've we've done all the hard work off the pitch. We've done you know O'Neill's done a great job at being almost a director of football-ish type character whilst being able to 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 put a team out there that will win enough football matches if not as many as we want to we need somebody now now that we've cleared the decks now that we have got a good culture behind the scenes or seems that way anyway to be able to win his football matches and i think it is as simple as that i think it is more of a head coach role than a manager role now so before before we start talking about additional names, I just want to see get your boys' opinion. So, like I said, this isn't it, his time hasn't been a complete disaster by any stretch. I don't think it's it's been a very difficult time recently. But I mean, let's think about what he still did achieve while he's been here. And some of this I mentioned. You know, again, he's brought he gave the likes of Collins and Suter and I said reinvented time. And you know, he's he's done a lot for our younger players. He's cleared the decks, like you've just said, Ben. He saved us, let's be honest, from almost certain relegation. I think, was it only one team or something, I think, survived with the record that we had when he came in? Uh, I might be slightly off, but I think there or thereabouts, wasn't it? So the guys actually achieved a decent amount in that time. I think, obviously, results at the end of the day is what what it all boils down to. So do you think, in terms of his legacy at this club, do you see that as something that, will be remembered for the positive or do you think this is just going to be just as I said remembered for his recent results and then what's led to his sacking do you, which way do you think this will go like like for for example with me and you Mike we we were on the fence with him but we were more in than out and if you look back at some of the results he had whilst he was manager obviously his first game a 4-2 win against Barnsley the comeback against Sheffield Wednesday the constant beatings over West Bromwich Albion. I think he beat Luton 3-0 on three separate occasions. And he hasn't 
been a bad manager as such. If you look at stats, and I know stats aren't everything in football, but I think his win percentage is 39.7 or something like that, which is better than Pulis on both instances, Hughes, and pretty much any manager we've had for about the past 30 years. But it just got to a point where I feel like results dwindled off and obviously people are mainly going to remember him for what happened towards the end of his tenure where he was stubborn to change formations and just, you know, it just didn't work out for anything he tried, really. Fair enough. Ben, how will you remember him, mate? I think I, I'm, I'm, I'm rather fond of him. I think he was a nice man who did his job and nothing more. I think, you know me, I, I love an analogy. He's a, he's 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 like a Volvo, right? You know, like when when you've had so many, you know, you've had these fancy cars over the years, and you've done them up, and you thought, oh, I'll give this a go, and they've always broken down and led to some crap. Yeah, well, O'Neill's come in, and and you know, he said he'd do a job, and he did it. He didn't do any more than that, um, and 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 his time has gone, and we feel like we can get ourselves a. A fancier car now. We can get ourselves a, a Porsche. We won't remember the Volvo in the long term. We just won't. We'll be happy that we had him so that we didn't <laughs> go without completely. But I think over uh, over time, he'll it'll he'll he it'll be a thankless task almost that he kept us up and scrubbed the decks and which is a shame because, like I say, I I think it's very much an underrated job he's done here i like you think of all the managers that and you think of the the we hurtled down to league one we were so 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 close he managed to turn them brakes on when it seemed impossible um you think of the squad and the culture we had in that dressing room it was terrible um but that's it you don't get remembered for those you get remembered for winning promotion and getting trophies and bringing star players through and he's 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 not quite done that has he yeah, so you think he's that car that you had for the time being. Like, your car's in for a repair. You needed that courtesy car to get for, you from well, point A to point yeah, B. In, in a way, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like you might have that 03 plate Vauxhall Astra <laughs> or something like it. that. A bit with, like, big spoiler on the back or something. Like, oh, yeah, that sounded cool at the time. Oh, wait, actually, it wasn't it ready. It was crap. It down towards the end of you having it. So. Yeah, and we almost ended up with no car at all. I love that O'Neill compared to an O3 plate car. <laughs> <laughs> I've not heard that one before. That's the year I was born. Do you know how that makes me feel? Oh, God. How, how do you think that makes me feel? <laughs> God, I, I was born way before that. Never mind. We'll move on. You don't need um, to disclose <clears throat> that tonight, Mike. Yeah. Um, so, oh, sorry, Dan Guam. I was just going to say they were putting letters at the start of it. The... It was A reg, B reg, C reg, D reg when me and you were there. Making me feel even more younger. Yeah. Um anyway, let's move on to some of the names. Um so I mean God, any manager who's breathing, I think, has been linked today. I mean, the the main ones that instantly come to mind. So we've had Bielsa, Daesh, Mark Robbins, Joey Barton. Mowbray Allardyce, I saw mentioned earlier, which is a yeah. name, bit of a blast from the past. Uh, Struber, uh, Alex Neal, Chris Wilder, Fork, and Holden. <laughs> it's a bit of a mouthful, but if you could, I mean, again, feel free if it's not on that list. Putting your kind of neck on the block a little bit here, who would you bring in if you were John Coates right now? Yeah. It's a very difficult question, that. I can name three which are my candidates. Three very different routes. Dean Holden, I assume, is going to be managing against Blackburn. He's in interim charge, and I assume he's going to be managing against Blackburn. If that is the case, and Dean Holden does well, the board might keep him on. And if he does perform, there's no reason, you know... Why not? But that still might divide the fans because Dean Holden worked along Michael, alongside Michael O'Neill. The second one is probably the most obvious, which people are going to say is Sean Dyche. Um, yes, he might affect with the youth, but you know, how long did he spend at Burnley? Ten years? Ten years, I think, yeah. 
he he found some players. He mentioned that he bought in Michael Keane for two million, sold him on for twenty five. He knows how to make a play. He knows how to toughen a player up. And if he can do that and get us up towards the Premier League and keep us there, I don't I don't see why that wouldn't be a success. And then the third option is if they want to go away from their you know roots of hiring British managers is Slaven Bilic or Slaven Bilic, however you pronounce. I feel like. He's he's he is he is animated on touchline. He is a bit aggressive in the way that he plays. Yeah, that's the word. He he's aggressive in his play, but I feel like he would suit the way that Stoke City want to play at the moment very well. And when he was at West Ham, he played a very attacking, very physical four three three. And I feel like that's just what Stoke fans need at the moment is you know an aggressive attacking team. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, ben, who are your top um, three on your list, mate, or your number one? Oh, go on. I'll Sorry, do I really put you on the spot. No, 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 no. no that's, <laughs> he that's hasn't fine. prepared this. <laughs> I know, I've done no research for this today, although I've had all day anyone, to think about it. I don't think anyone else today, Ben, to be fair. <laughs> it's spur of the moment, isn't it, at the moment? It, it, it's madness, isn't it? Um, Right, three names. Okay, so I'll, I'll give you one which I flat out don't think is going to happen, but I, I think it'd be great. Chris Wilder seems to be quite short in the odds. I don't think he'll come. I think he's he's I don't think he's happy at Middlesbrough. We saw that at the end of last season. He he, he really wanted that Burnley job. Um I I don't think there's something quite right in the water at Middlesbrough, and that probably explains that a bad start. Um and he he might he may well want to go, but I don't think I just don't think he will leave. I think it's too soon. I think I, I'd, I'd be surprised. I really would. Um, so I think I, I'd have him. I think that'd be great. But I think that ship is not going to sail. Um, I think on a more realistic note, Daesh would get the best out of some of our players. I think he would. I think my issue with Daesh is not necessarily to do with style or anything like that. He said in recent interviews and stuff that he's more willing to be flexible with formations and systems and tactics and stuff. And fair enough, he was at Burnley for a long time. We've seen what happened with someone like Pulis. You get lot, you, you get latched in with, with a system and a reputation sometimes that isn't necessarily true. Um, I think my, my issue with him is that there's probably going to be a lot of squad casualties. Um, I mean that by, um, I'm trying to think of who it was under previous managers. You know when a new manager comes in, and one of our better players just isn't liked by that new manager. I'm thinking like, like maybe... a route with Bojan. Yeah, a route with Bojan. I'm thinking maybe when when Jones Mark Hughes and, joined. Jones and Tyrese Campbell was not liked. Jones and Jones yeah. Campbell, Tyman. Yeah, um, I'm yeah. thinking when Pulis left and Hughes come in, Cameron Jerome. Cameron Jerome was brilliant, but he was out of favour. Didn't, didn't like him. He just flat out said, I don't play with this type of player. And there will be some players like that at Stoke that just don't suit... Sean Dyche, and they will get cut ruthlessly. I I'd be surprised if Stoke went down that route as well. My 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 absolute ideal is one that I, there's there's just one reason why I don't think this will happen. I I want Neil Critchley from Aston Villa, who's there. I, I saw you mention that earlier. Yeah, so he for anyone who doesn't know, he was Blackpool boss last season and and a little bit before that as well. Um. A cracking manager, um, a cracking coach. Um, and there's a reason why Aston Villa have poached him from Blackpool. Um, not only because Blackpool probably won't spend a lot of money, and Critchley was a bit upset with that, but also, you know, he's a great coach. And Steven Gerrard, let's face it, he, I, I, I don't think he's the brains behind the operation. Needs somebody to be able to take Aston Villa to the next level. Um, I. If 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 Critchley wanted a manager role, which he would have better players than he did at Blackpool, in the future more freedom to spend some money, definitely better infrastructure, um, a good set of owners in terms of you know relative to other clubs. I think Stokes the 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 best job for him right now. My my thinking is that he. By by all accounts, he doesn't like the limelight. He doesn't want to be a first team manager. He wants to be a coach, um, and that's probably what what would stop us. Um, what I would say though is that I mentioned before about us um, 
bringing in someone to get the best out of our youth players to get promoted. If we don't bring in somebody like that, and we've sacked a manager five games into the season on a Thursday morning, we've shot ourselves in the foot massively. Yeah. What you have know we? what, Ben? I will come to your point about Neil Critchley. He made Josh Bowler into the player he is. Now, when we played Blackpool, Josh Bowler was the only player on Blackpool's team who I thought we struggled against. If he comes in and he plays Tyrese Campbell and can get the best out of him, imagine what he can do with the other youth players as well. Mm. Bloody hell. He, he could reinvent. Like, this is what I'm saying. Time be I... reinvented once, but imagine him reinvented again to be even better. It'd be it'd be hugely ideal. I just think it'd Definitely. be a hell of a pull to get him away from the job he's in at the moment. I can't I can't see it realistically, but I just think it'd be the perfect fit. No, I think you've made a, a good good few points there. To be honest, mate, I think we you made a point before we started recording that let's be honest, none of us have a clue what's going through their minds. The only people who do with the owners and the manager, maybe even O'Neill, kind of knows which direction they want to go, and maybe they've told him. You never know. Um, and just about out of interest, we obviously did a poll again earlier on, so we we gave all the names. People could mention their own managers as well. Uh, you won't be surprised, although one pl- one uh, manager, I don't think anyone's really mentioned too much. Um, so Daesh is leading the way, fifty four percent. Joey Barton is second with thirteen percent. Uh, there is a scattering of others, but then uh, Robbins, so Mark Robbins, is on ten percent. Uh, is third favourite right now. So interesting names if if dash is out is ruled out at some point i really do wonder which way we're gonna go i'll be honest but yeah sorry dan go for it and one name that i think is you know near enough even money as we stand know by the time this podcast comes out he'll probably be about eight favorites in the way these markets work here we go but, but alex neil really he's top oh. He's top of the market at the moment. That's why I said he's like even money at the minute. Now, when we when we brought O'Neill in, did we not have the opportunity to bring Alex Neal in and decided to bring Michael O'Neill in instead? Mm-hmm. So what does that tell you? I think Plus, we've got to be careful though, because like don't forget that when Michael O'Neill came in, we were a dumpster fire. We were an absolute dumpster fire of a football club. The amount we're of not anymore. we had. I, th- I think it's just like we needed a firefighter. To put out the dumpster fire. Um, <laughs> yeah. I love these analogies, Ben. I really do. I think we sort it, of needed. If you think about like, as much as a football manager as well, somebody would sort of go in there and you know look after the the you know, do the things on a shoe on a you know on a shoestring and all that and get a lot of players off, balance the books. He, I think he was heavily involved right the way through, wasn't he? A lot of stuff behind the scenes mm. as well. I think like. Neil would be a better manager now, especially having been to Sunderland and stuff, than he would have been joining Stoke at a time where we were just plummeting. I think we need a, a very certain type of manager then. I think we're a different beast now um, who needs a different sort of thing. If we needed somebody like O'Neill, we'd have kept him. Simple as that. Is he, is he another type of manager, though, who likes he's trusted players because of the way he's very, he's sort of very pragmatic, isn't he, in his approach? Very hard, you know, you, I will be difficult to beat first and foremost and we will, you know, more than happy to win 1-0 every week. And we'd all be happy to win 1-0 every week. But, <laughs> but do you know what I mean? <laughs> do you know what I mean? First and foremost is, I get a solid defence. I do not get beat. I, you know, and all that. And again, goes back to the squad and what we've got. And in fairness, that's how you get out of this league. That's how you get out of the championship. Look at oh, how good yeah. Huddersfield were last season, like having a good defence and then building off it. And and it, and in fairness to Alex Neil, like, you know, working with young players like Ross Stewart, um, he's doing it now with people like Jack Clark and Ellis Sims, and you wonder whether he's able to get them. I don't know. I like hope ah I again I I'd be surprised if he leaves a club like Sunderland. Um I wonder whether someone's just seen a helicopter on Skyscanner and that's why he's top of the <laughs> top of the betting odds, but uh, it wouldn't or, surprise me. Do you know what it could be? Because he'd happened at P- Preston, didn't it? When we we were uh, rumored to be in for him, he got a new contract. He's on a twelve-month rolling contract at Sunderland, so it wouldn't cost a lot mm. to get him compensation out. 
is his agent putting his name about to get himself a new long-term deal at Sunderland? Yeah, yeah, I think that's a fair point. Very fair point. Agent books to the market, mate. Well done. You've got him a new deal. Congratulations. Um, so I just wanted to kind of move on to a couple of um, comments more than anything else, because obviously we put a couple of questions out today as well um, around, you know, what what do you want from the next manager? So regardless of his style of play or whatever it is, what do you want? So we've obviously had, I'll be honest, a ridiculous amount of comments that came in. So I can't read them all. These are just literally the first four or five I've picked off. So uh, Danny Miner has put a very simple comment. So uh, be more menacing and terrify the opposition. Yes, make a change on it. Um, ben Burgess, I want consolidation within the club and consistency on the pitch. I want to know that when uh, the player step out on the pitch, they know plan A and also a plan B should it be needed. I want the players to be confident in their own abilities and not be overpressured by the system or the fans. But most of all, I want to go to Stoke and enjoy myself again. It's been far too long. Christian Clues, uh, for me, it's playing the youth. Uh, do anything to win and buy the right players. Uh, we've got Dan as well, so tighten up the defence. We need to be way more solid. Uh, the uh, Just a WA, uh, West Bromwich Albion regular guy, which is Slack, Slack Planet, Slack the Planet. Um, so uh, simply to come in and move us forward with the progress we've made under Mon. Similar tactics, add a few more wrinkles to our game, carry on, just need a bit more of a spark out of a starting 11. Don't think we should yet have another overhaul and go in a different direction. Blackbeard says, not too bothered about the football style. Results and youth are important, though. And Dave Goodwin says, results all day long. It's a results game at the end of the day. Um, there was a lot of that results at the end of the day, as long as it, it's done. I, I get it, and that should be the way. But even when Pulis was getting results, people weren't happy because he was boring. I don't, I don't think for a lot of people it's all about results. I really don't. Uh, I think, obviously, the, the idealist view is it's all about results, but we know that football fans aren't like that, unfortunately. Um, so I'll ask you guys when we'll try and wrap this up a little bit now. So what what are you looking for? Regardless of who comes in, what are you looking for out of the next man? My personal opinion on this, I just want someone who's, we used the word earlier, I want to see someone who's charismatic, who does really well in interviews, tries to get play, you know, people off the seats, plays decent football. I don't expect us to win every single week. I don't expect us to be challenging for automatic promotion. We are right now a mid-table club, nothing more. We need to understand that. We've now got to build ourselves back up. So for me, just somebody who can bring some exciting football back to the club, That that's really where I am. And hopefully the rest will come. Uh, Andy, what's your what's your main things, mate? I want to see someone who plays positive football, mainly. Um, Michael O'Neill's started positive when he played 4-3-3, and then it just went extremely flat. We go one up, and you just knew something could happen. Something could change massively. Um, I'm going to mention a game last season that none of us really want to talk about again, when we were three up to Cardiff. And, you know, in the space of five minutes, it's gone 3-3. I don't want to see things like that happening but I mainly want a manager who's open with the fans Michael O'Neill yes he was open but a lot of things that he said in his interviews just seemed to be like a broken record on repeat and I want someone who's openly honest about what he says if he doesn't think we were good enough in the game if we do lose he meant he says that we weren't good enough um I remember Michael O'Neill's interview after the Huddersfield game he made a valid point of saying, you know, oh, we were the better team, but Huddersfield took the chances in key moments. The key moments should be the whole game, really. And I, like I've said, I just want someone who, the same as you, Mike, is charismatic, shows he's got passion, and shows that he'd do anything for the club to win. Yeah, well said, man. Hopefully he doesn't start banging his chest after two weeks. <laughs> we're not breaking <laughs> Jones back. <laughs> No, no. I think what, he, a, he, he might be in trouble this year. Sorry, Dan, go on. I was going to say, a couple of things about that, though. Sometimes, yeah, what a manager says in public and what he says in the dressing room can be two different things as well. And the other thing I'd say is, is by coming out and not sort of slating the performance, especially if these performances were going like three, four games in a row, 
by not coming out and saying, yeah, we were awful again. They, I don't know what they're doing. They're not doing what I'm asking them to do. You know, I'm as frustrated as you are in the stands. I don't know what's up with them. Is he, you know, a manager not done that because they decided so young? Is that why Mark O'Neill maybe didn't call them out so often? Because I'm not saying for him to do that. I'm just saying, you know, if he thinks we've played poor, mention that we played poor. Yeah. Don't don't name names. Just say, oh, but I know where I can improve on this. Michael O'Neill would just say, oh, you know, we didn't have the best game. And he, he didn't really say where he was going to go from there. He yeah, just yeah. left it as that. And you had no idea how we were going to play the next game. And most of the times when he said that we had a bad game, he goes out with the same formation, the same players, if not only one change in the same formation. And you were just like, it's going to happen again. And well, it turned out to start doing that, didn't it? Yeah, fair enough. And um, Ben? What do you want at the next man coming in, mate? There's two things off the top of my head. First being, I think I've already said, someone who will, who's a great coach and will get the best out of what I think really is a strong group of players. I think there's a lot of potential that's not being tapped into. Dwight Gale's not scored a goal yet, for goodness sake. <laughs> that's, They've all been the really rolled ball, out wrong. <laughs> you, you can say what you want, but He's not scored a goal. I think we could and should be, particularly with taking chances and changing the mentality when we concede, because that's been terrible. We we never seem to gain points from losing possessions, and we always seem to lose them from winning possessions. You know, a, a great coach, because I think that was Michael O'Neill's biggest weakness. I'm not saying he was a terrible coach by any means, but I'm just saying I think that was his weak point. So I want a, a really astute footballing coach doesn't need to necessarily be a manager help bring a technical director in as well if you want to you know someone to do O'Neill's other job which seems to be like all the off the pitch stuff to build us up and transfers and whatever the other thing I'd really like and it's sort of building off Andy's point a little bit they don't necessarily want somebody passionate you know because Nathan Jones was passionate but you know nobody really he he had the right idea. You could see that, but he didn't really. He's he said a lot of words without actually putting a lot of meaning to them. Sometimes, um, I want someone really articulate. I want someone who, when Michael O'Neill said, "I want the fans to be patient," lovely Michael. What like what is it? Do you want us to be patient with in particular? Do you want us to be patient because, you know, we've got. Uh, centre midfielder and a winger playing at wing back and it's going to take four or five games for them to bed in and yeah like we might not be as effective on the wings for the next few games but just bear with us while we try um, you know if someone had articulated that fans might have had a little bit more patience being patient and saying like don't 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 worry guys wins will come eventually it's no good to us it's empty words once again I, I want someone who you know, they don't have to be passionate. They don't have to be jumping up and down on the touchline. You know, they don't have to be entirely transparent. You know, obviously transparency is important and getting that balance is right. Dan's right. What you say to the press is very different to what you say to your squad in the dressing room. Um, but someone articulate who can, you know, I th- someone who can, we can trust, we can actually believe in rather than just hope we're actually going to do something. Fair enough. Dan? Uh, as in, what, what am I looking for in the manager? Yeah. yeah. What, what are the fundamentals you're looking for, regardless of who comes who in? Comes in. Uh, so somebody, who's, somebody who brings a good physio team with him. <laughs> <laughs> he brings bubble <laughs> to Nick Powell's socks. Um, on a serious note, I'd say, yeah, I think somebody who's likes... Develop young players, I think, is the key one for me because I think we've got a lot of potential in the squad. And I think Ben was alluding to it earlier, a lot of it's potentially going stagnant. Now it's in the team and not sort of developing at the rate that we were hoping. But there's, but they're still very young, you know, and, and still a lot of them are still young enough to, to pick that back up again and still hit the heights that they were, you know, I'm thinking people like Bursic, Campbell... Um, as much as like Brown and Timon have, you know, have, have exceeded any expectation we had for them in the past 18 months, 
I think there, like I say, there are others that have just plateaued a bit. And I think if we can get somebody who knows how to get the best out of the young players, knows how to develop them, get them confident, um, is willing to play them and play them in the right positions, then that, I think, is uh, key for me. Okay. Yeah, can't argue with any of that, boys. I think we're all on the, the same wavelength anyway. Um, I think that pretty much does it. I think, unless anyone else has got any final comments, but um, I think we've pretty I've much got, covered it. I've everything. got one or two things. Go for it, yeah. And this is one thing which I think would have been good to ask. What manager, past or, you know, potential candidate, would you not bring in? Well, for me, as much as I love the guy, I wouldn't bring Tony Pulis back. Fair enough. That, I'm, on, now, I'm on the same. I'm on the same wavelength as that. I wouldn't bring Pulis or Hughes back, and most definitely would not bring a Paul Lambert back. <laughs> no, no, thank you. Um, I mean, it's tricky, mate, because for me, I, I, again, I say no TP, but obviously he was probably one of the most successful managers we've ever had. He came I in mean, when we were in this situation, didn't he? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the situation almost. Um, it's it's tricky, mate, because we've we've got through. We had him for so long. Then we had Hughes for quite some time, and then it's just been a constant switching and changing. Um, I did enjoy Hughes's football, uh, in fairness, for the majority of the time. He did have both oh, like Shakiri and Anatovic to help him out for that. Of course he did, but he you know he brought, he brought them players in, so you've got to give him credit. But uh, genuinely, mate, I I don't know is the answer. I don't know. I don't think I'd bring any of them. Maybe a combination of all of them would be quite nice. I don't think that person exists. Yeah. Um, the final one. Johan Boskamp. What, we'll score more <laughs> than we concede and go with that that's mantra. That's fair play. Um, what about you, Ben? <laughs> who, would, who wouldn't you bring in? Rather than somebody I don't want to bring in, you know what I really don't want to happen? We can't have another Paul Lambert situation where <laughs> our first target goes, actually, no. We go, okay, we'll try our second target. Actually, no. Okay, we'll try our third target then. Uh, uh, no. Right, okay. <laughs> who who fancies the job, lads? We'll, we'll give it to anybody. We've got 19 games left. Paul Lambert, you've, you've put your name in the hat. You you can have it. Good lad. Um, we, we, if, if we end up in a situation like that where we're scraping the barrel for a manager, I, I, I can't say it. I can't say it because if we'd have been anywhere near that sort of situation... O'Neill would still be here. I've got no doubt about that. 100%. But if if we if we do end up in that situation, I <laughs> got serious questions about the ownership. Serious, serious questions about the ownership. I feel like I'm running this. It's normally Mike and Ben asking the questions. But um, my final <laughs> point is, with a fully fit team at the moment, so you've got your Sutar back, you've got your Powell back, what formation do you play? Diamond, Nathan Jones. Let's go. He <laughs> <laughs> takes serious answers on this pod, Ben. I Mate, mean, I wouldn't be averse. That is actually it. my serious yeah, suggestion. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't <laughs> you know, against it. I wouldn't I'll... be averse to playing the the fullback formation if, if we had a fully strength team behind it. But oh, I, I don't know. I, even the formation we were playing, you know, when, when O'Neill first came in, I can't even remember what. Four, three, three. Well, yeah, yeah, we played four through three for the majority. I know we switched and changed, but even just going back to that formation, yeah. if you've got a, a fully fit team with those players we have, we should smash the living daylights out of this league. Mine but... personally is a three four three. Reason being, I don't think Sutar does too well with a, having two centre backs rather than three, and we've got five or six players who can play as wingers. So why not have four of them playing at once? I personally go with the. Four two three one. I think we need to get as many of them forwards on the pitch as we can because that's where the strength in the squad lies. Yeah. <clears throat> and probably, I mean, question here: Do you think, having seen Liam Delap last week, that he could play the middle of the three in that formation a little bit deeper, or do you think he has to be leading the line furthest man forward? I, Isn't I he the tallest striker strike partner from what I've seen? Uh, like, or just someone in behind? Yeah, it's like 60 game, uh, 60 games, 60 minutes. It's really hard to judge what Delap did against Sunderland, isn't it? But I feel 
he need, it's like field. a direction. He needs someone to help him out. He's 19. He needs, like, not necessarily vastly experienced, but somebody who knows the league, yeah. knows how to play against adult footballers and go, look, don't do not do that again. Do this instead and you might score a goal. When Powell comes back, that mm. could be the exact player he needs. It could. Justin behind but even him. like Tyrese, Brown, Gale, yeah. like they've all got the experience to be able to help him do that. But he, he, he needs a mentor was, up there. I was thinking Gale, Gale up front with Timon and Campbell on the wings and, and Galap sort of in the middle. And then obviously when Powell comes back, you've got the option of, you know, pushing Dalap further forward and you've got Nick Powell in the turn. You know, mm. Do you rest in Dalap, bring Gale, you know, them interchanging? Jacob Brown's got to be playing the part at some point. You know, Shall be... we see what our odds are for us 40 hours of coaching role altogether? <laughs> oh, Christ. I feel like it could work. Well, FF, FFP I don't want has it. gone really I told bad. you. Really, George. <laughs> so ben, ben already had his photo for choose your ninth most recent photo for the next Stoke manager and who showed up. It was Ben. Yeah, I don't want it. I'll, I'll, I'll have the off the <laughs> I'll pitch take role. It. Have I'll they have seen Simon Kane's role? How about that? I got Stoke to the Champions League in four seasons. I can do it. All oh, right. Is that right? <laughs> right. Okay. Right. Is that That's with real footballers? It. That's how they do it. They just chuck them on FIFA career mode and go, you've got a season to get us from it. <laughs> how many, how many do not save quits go back on to the <laughs> None. Anyway, this has kind of gone in a proper random direction. Um, <laughs> right. I think, I think we'll call it quits there. I think we've covered, um, everything off quite well, to be fair. So, um, boys, I know it's kind of been a, a little bit last minute. So, you know, Ben, thanks a lot for taking your time out and joining us, mate. It's always good to have you on. Um, Dan, Andy, thanks again for turning up. We're used to this, so you don't need to thank us. And Dan, traditionally late, so thanks for turning up, mate. Um, I was on the way back from Blackpool. Well, yeah, we did mention. Really. <laughs> well, I'm glad you, I'm glad you've come I'm back gonna, anyway, mate. Going to raise a proverbial um, whiskey and a Guinness tonight. Me too. In memory of Michael O'Neill. Wasn't all that. In bad. memory, he's not dead. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say Stoke manager. Right. right. Anyway, um, let's see what the next kind of few days have got in store for us. Hopefully, a, a new, a new manager, someone can bring a little bit of light, a bit of hope back to the club with a little bit of luck. So, as I said, boys, thanks for joining us. Um, and yeah, I'll speak to you all very, very soon. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.